Good morning. It's good to be together today. It's been said, and I appreciate uh, Jeff's prayer on my behalf. It's my desire is that we would teach something edifying to you this morning, that the, that we're able to learn and be built up and benefited by being here um, together today. I've been thinking um, a lot about s- some language that you see used in the scriptures, um, referring to Christians as strangers and exiles, and thinking about various times in my life where um, you know, you have certain problems going on or troubles going on, and you just kind of view your situation in light of that, and it just you feel the weight of all the things that of life kind of bearing down on you, and you just struggle with situations and how you you kind of feel like a, a stranger in the world that we live in. And you know, when you make a decision to be a Christian and live as a Christian, I think those types of things are even more compounded. You go to work or school or you associate with people that don't... Um, have a similar mindset, and you just don't feel close to those people, so you spend a significant amount of your time and, um, you know, effort and energy in, in those situations where you're around those people that uh, you don't feel share similar values and, and views on life. And the scriptures talk a lot about that, and so I want to study a little bit about that this morning and um, what it means to be a stranger um, or an exile on the earth. And um, talk about some of the things that the scriptures have to say about that. You know, I've been, I've been to a few places, geographically speaking, in my life where I felt very much out of place. And um, there may be many different reasons for that. You go somewhere, another part of the country, and, you know, nobody has the Texas accent and um, the, the same uh, kind of principles and values that you share here, and you see those evident. You may go somewhere where you you know, physical differences make you stick out. I've been in a few places like that in my, t- in my life, too, and I know people that travel worldwide and go to um, other places in the world um, even see that maybe kind of in a more pronounced way. And so, um, you know, there's places that you can go where you there's, you know, very obvious differences in cultural norms and languages and, you know, even the geography itself and things like that where you just um, feel very out of place. And I think about... Um, you know, all the, all the different conversations that occur in our current environment about, um, you know, immigrants and refugees and things like that and people coming in and all those things that we hear people talk about. And, uh, you know, there's tremendous pressure on somebody that goes to a foreign place or that moves into our country or something like that. There's tremendous pressures on those people to conform to the, to the place that they've arrived at. And, um, you know, conform to that environment, whether that's language or tradition or belief systems and all that kind of things. And I think as we think about being Christians living in the world, those same types of pressures exist. You know, when you make a decision to be a Christian and, and um, live life in a different way, then the things of the world no longer, um, you know, mean the same to you. And yet all of the pressures of society and the way that society wants to behave and move forward and progress progress, and all those terms that we hear, those pressures are very real for Christians, and it can make you feel very much like a stranger or an exile in the world that you live in. In Hebrews chapter 11, this idea is talked about a little bit as he's mentioning the men and women of faith and um, how they behaved in their lives. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on, on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. 
But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This scripture and many others in the, in the New Testament um, refer to, to Christians or, or men and women of God as strangers and exiles on the earth. And I think it's interesting here that he talks about how, um, you know, their view of the place that they came from. And he said, you know, if they, had, if they had really desired to return to where they came from, they would have had the opportunity to. And I think about as, you know, as Christians, we, we think about all of the, the, the various backgrounds that people come from and experiences people shared um, or the differences in those experiences and the different environments people grow up in and, again, geography and uh, belief systems and all that kind of stuff. And when you choose to make a decision to be a Christian, there's going to be many opportunities in our lives to return to that place that we came from. And if anything, that's a constant and a consistent pressure on Christians that, you know, that there's always opportunities to return to those old ways. And, it, and it's interesting how he talks about them here because they changed their mindset and they desired something better. And because they desired something better, they became strangers and exiles. And they acknowledged that fact. And that was okay. We're seeking something different than the land we came from. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's not all that bad that we sometimes feel out of place or don't feel like, you know, we fit in with the ways of the world. You know, that's probably an indicator that, that something's going on right, but it still doesn't relieve the pressures that we feel from those situations. So I want to talk about just a few things kind of from an observation perspective that I think will help us as we think about this idea and um, maybe help us deal with these situations, whether it's COVID or, you know, that amongst all the other things that we're dealing with and struggling with. Number one is that um, we should not look for comfort in worldly things. You know, I think there's a, there's a tendency to do that, right? We, we have troubles or we have problems going on in life and we, we're, we want to be problem solvers. We want to figure out how to alleviate those troubles and those pressures from our lives. And so we look to the things that the world has to offer to try to do that, whether it's entertainment or booze or drugs or all those things. And we try to find a way out of those things. And the scriptures warn against that. First Peter chapter one and verse 13, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your, the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or without spot. He warns us here, against conformity. And I think many times as Christians, the tendency is that we slip into conformity. We slip back into a rut of conforming, and it's kind of like a tightrope, right? We try to walk it with, you know, not conforming to the world, and, but kind of fitting in still, but also doing all the things that God's asked us to do or wants us to do. And it's, and it's, and it's a difficult thing to try to walk that line. He said, conduct yourselves with fear, and he called it your time of exile, and it's interesting because we don't want to see it that way. It's kind of a difficult thing for us, to, for us to accept, the fact that things are different. You know, we don't want to be viewed as goofy or different or, or not fitting in and all those things. 
But the truth is the Christian is different and should be different. And he called it that. He called it your time of exile. And he says it wasn't all of these futile things that we think about of life. It wasn't silver or gold or anything else that the world can have as an offer that, that gave relief from that. But it was the precious blood of Christ. How many times do we allow these worldly pressures to influence our speech or our action or our thoughts, our conduct, all those things? Many times these pressures get to us on that. Listen to what he says here in Philippians chapter 3. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul said all of those that are enemies of the cross are so because they make, they make their God their belly. They make their God all the things that their hearts and eyes desire and lust after. And they spend all their time and energy searching after those things with a mindset that's earthly. It reminds me of Romans chapter 12 when he said, don't be conformed to the world, but transform. Be transformed by renewing your mind. You change your mindset so that you don't conform to the world. And you don't seek comfort in those things because you're not going to find it there. Ultimately, there won't be any comfort there. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Many people in this audience today can quote that verse. We read it often. We teach about it often. We talk about it often. And then we walk out of the doors and we go out and we try to fulfill all those lusts that he's talking about there. And we spend a tremendous amount of time and energy trying to fulfill those desires and seek after those lusts that he's talking about there. I think conformity is a real danger to Christians. And we, have to, we, we try to have this balance in our lives and, and, and we try to, again, we try to kind of walk the line of, of being in the world and doing the things in the world and even the things that we desire out of the world and still maintain that idea of godliness and, and the things that we want to do as Christians as well. We shouldn't, look, we shouldn't look to the world for comfort in these times. And we could probably make a good argument that it's in these times that it's most important to look, for God, look to God for that comfort. So whether it's COVID or work or some relationship problem or stress that we have from school or whatever those things are, we shouldn't spend all of our time and energy on that. It's really hard to not get wrapped up in the political aspects of all these conversations and the different opinions that people have about them. And all of those things take our time and our energy away from God. We focus on these political conversations and our freedoms and our, you know, all the things we want to do. Let's set our minds on godly things and look to him for comfort. The second thing that I think it's important to observe as we think about uh, being strangers and exiles is the fact that there's a need for a place of refuge, and we find that in the church. And 
as I think about all the times in my life that I've had significant problems or challenges, I think about how much the church has been a refuge in those times. And of course, when we say the church, we're talking about more than the assembly, although the assembly is a significant part of that. We're talking about the people and the relationships and the love we have for one another. But I think it's really important for us to realize how much of a refuge the church is. And I think it's something that we, we undervalue many times um, as, we, as we deal with the problems that life has. Think about what it means to be a refugee, like we talked about. You know, people, people um, you know, regardless of motivation, you know, pe- that's what people argue, right? What, what, when they hear the term refugee, to some people that has a negative context, to some people... You know, it has a context of laziness or, you know, not wanting to take care of their own lives or whatever it is. Regardless of the motive, the the one common thing that refugees have that's really inarguable is that they're looking for something different. They're looking for a different life. They're looking for relief from whatever their current situation is, regardless of the motive. And as I think about being strangers on the earth, strangers and exiles on the earth, Christians are refugees in that way. There's some, they, they, they look for refuge in certain things. There's, we know we're going to have problems with adapting to the world and conforming to the world, and so there's got to be some kind of place of refuge to provide relief for that, and we find that in the church. Psalms chapter 27 and verse number 4. One thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. David certainly had many troubles in his life. And I think the perspective he gives in Psalms is one that I often kind of find myself aligning to. And I don't know if it's just because of the way he's able to word things or, you know, the way that, the way that um, you know, he's so kind of honest and open about it. But, you know, he really kind of often in Psalm strikes a chord, and I don't think that's a unique feeling by any, by any stretch. We wouldn't have so many songs or things like that that are, that are based off of the Psalms that we read. But he talked about that here, how it's, you know, he, that the, the one thing that he sought after was the ability to find refuge in the house of the Lord. And when you think back through David's life and all the things that he dealt with and troubles that he dealt with, he often talked about that. And the church should be a refuge for us like that. Assembling together should be a refuge. And I think given recent events that we all understand that, understand the value in that that we get in even assembling together. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And then he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh, 
For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He told them to remember what it was like before Christ. Remember what it was like before. You were, you were without Christ. You were aliens in, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And it's in, the interesting thing here is that he kind of lays out um, you know, this, this kind of either or. You, you, you're either strangers in the world or you're strangers to the promises of God. And you had no hope. So it's interesting to kind of reconcile the fact that, that you're going to be strangers and exiles in some way, and you just have to understand whether that's with God or whether that's with the world. But he said, once we became Christians, we found peace. And he has all this conversation about the division between God and man and how that division was broken down by Jesus and by the cross. And now we find peace. We find refuge in the church because of the citizenship that we can have in God's kingdom. Psalms chapter 46 and verse number one, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not... Will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that, in that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. And the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Say, Lord. Think about all the metaphors here he used to describe these troubling situations. Of all the things that could happen, it doesn't matter. God is our refuge for those. And while we go through life and many times the, the weights of the world and the problems of life sometimes seem unbearable, and you wonder when these things are going to end and when things are going to get back to normal and you're going to find relief from those things, we need to remember that there's an escape from that, that we have refuge in the church, that we have refuge in the Lord. And we can realize that, that he is a very present help in time of trouble. And that leads us to our final point, which is the fact that God is always very near. You know, sometimes I think it can feel a little bit lonely um, thinking about the world you live in and just the frustration you have with people having no desire to follow after God or no desire for any kind of morality or any kind of, um, you know, anything that would feel like, like fitting in with a Christian lifestyle. It gets, it, there's, it's, there's a loneliness to that. And I think sometimes that we, that we get a feeling that, that God is not always near. And that means different things to different people I know, but you know, in those times, it's, it's an important reminder for us. It's an important reminder for us in these times that we have these difficult situations and troubling times and we're frustrated and you wonder when things are going to change and you wonder if things are ever going to change. You wonder if this, these things are the new norm. And we spend all that time and effort worrying and, and we need to realize that God is near us and we change our focus and we reset our mindset on what, what things are important to us. We can't let our 
feelings and our emotions about all these situations impact us and separate us from that fact. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse number six says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. We said that, you know, there's a reason that these kind of verses like this get turned into songs, and there's a reason we sing them regularly. You know, it, it moves people. It's a good reminder for us to remember that, that there's help there, that, that there's a relief there, that there's a refuge there. And as we're going through these difficult times, we have to keep that on our mind and on our hearts. And again, many of these verses that we're reading this morning are songs that we sing regularly and have at least some, you know, some portion of them have been pulled out and, and um, made into song because of that. They bring us great comfort. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, it's talking about David again here. It says, David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hands of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So you remember all that stuff that happened with David and Saul and all the, time, you know, the opportunities and times that Saul sought to kill David and all that stuff that went on. And David sang this song about it. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock and him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter his ears. I like how it, I like how it talks about here, it specifically calls out the fact that David David said these words as a song, and then we sing a song about David singing his words as a song. <laughs> but he's so, he's so descriptive in that, all the troubles that bothered him, and these aren't insignificant problems, right? People trying to kill him and, you know, the, the floods of ungodly men making me afraid. Those are difficult problems that, that he had in life and all the challenges that we have in life. And he said, in my distress, I called on the Lord and he heard me. He heard what I had to say, and I think we forget that. We forget that we can ask the Lord for help in that. We forget that he can help us deal with these problems. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 17, it says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He described it. It's you, when you start doing research or thinking about this, it's that, that word refuge and exile and strangers, all that, it appears all over the place. And you can list 50 other verses where you find that kind of language. But he says, we who have fled for refuge, and I think that's the key to all this, right? We think about being strangers and exiles. It's not that we're trying to overcome that. It's not that we're trying to conform. You know, when you think about people coming to this country, you hear about people that immigrated post-World War II or something like that and have been here for many years, and you talk about how they adapted to being Americans. 
you know, that they adapted to the idea of America and what it meant to be free and work hard and that you could achieve anything that you want. People say that, right? That they wanted to come to the land where, there, where dreams can really come true and that you can do all those things you want. And they conform to that. They conform to that idea, whether they left communism or whatever, some kind of fascist government or something like that. They come here and they conform. And I think that's a key differentiator here is that we're not talking about that. We're talking about not conforming like that. We're not trying to conform. We're not trying to be Americans with this. Like Brad said Wednesday night, you, you know, it's hard to not be patriotic and love this land that we were born in and the freedoms that we have in that. I'm a patriotic person, but I'm not trying to do everything I can to be like everyone else in America. We would be failing miserably if we tried that. We have a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. As we close this morning, I want to read a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that I think is kind of a good reminder and kind of sums all of this up. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, being... Be that, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he that hath wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, who also hath given, us, given unto us the earnest, earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted, accepted of him. And I think that's a good way to kind of sum all this up that we're talking about this morning, that even if all of this earthly things were taken away, we still have that other hope, that city that Brad talked about Wednesday night. And as we think about this current climate and, um, you know, God willing, we get past this soon and all these things that are going on. But as we think about in the future, whatever troubles present themselves, and they certainly will, you know, let's think about that. Let's think about what it means being a stranger in that. You know, he, that language is used often. I think it's something that we should think about. It's something that we should reflect on. You know, do we feel like we're a stranger in this world? If not, maybe that's an indicator that we are conforming a little too much. Maybe it's an indicator that we're looking to the world too much for answers to problems and, and solutions that we haven't, the solu- where we find those solutions in our lives. And let's work to keep a proper perspective about that and being okay with being strangers in the world and, and finding refuge in the proper places, refuge and comfort in the proper places. If you're here this morning and there's anything that the church can help you with, um, maybe you struggle with this type of thing. Maybe you struggle with this current situation and what's going on and and where to find comfort in that. We, the church can certainly help with that. God can help you with that. It's very present help in a time of trouble. And um, we offer an invitation to help with that this morning. We're happy to pray with you and for you and help you in that. If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, that's, the invita- that, that's what the invitation is. The invitation is Jesus. And if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you are a stranger to the commonwealth of Israel. You're a stranger to the promises that God's given. And you have to make a choice about that. You have to make a choice about where that citizenship lies. You know, people talk about 
dual citizenship in countries, right? And it, it's an odd thing to say, I'm a citizen of one country and I'm a citizen of another country. And you hear people take a stand on that saying, you, you need to choose, right? You can't have best of both worlds. You're either an American or you're not an American. That's kind of how the choice you have to make. You have to make a choice whether you want to be a citizen of God's kingdom or whether you want to be a citizen of the world. And it's, and it's fairly simple choice. It's not easy in practice. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do all these things we talked about this morning. But the choice is an easy thing to do. It's a very black and white decision. And if you have a desire to obey the gospel this morning, we want to offer that invitation as well. If there's anything that the church can help you with, please have a seat on the front as we sing the invitation song.